Hello, and welcome to the Whatcom Dads podcast, the podcast where local dads share their parenting experiences and some local kid-friendly recommendations. I'm Mark Bagley. I'm Mike Kudo, filling in for one more week. And I'm Nathan Dwyer. This week, we interview our co-host, Mike, about the challenges of having your first child in the middle of a pandemic. We talk about nap time for babies, and we recommend our favorite local parks. Mike, you came back for episode 23. It must not have been too painful. Nope. (laughs) A man of few words. It was great. I can't wait to say more. There you go. (laughs) So, Mike, we alluded to it last week, but you had the pleasure of having your first child in the midst of this pandemic. I think she was born, what, a month into the pandemic? She was. So let's just talk about that for a minute. Did you ever imagine the first year of your daughter's life looking like it looks now? Not at all. Um, I think I think everyone anticipates or has this vision of what what it's going to look like to be a new parent and and to be a new father and um, to have those moments of kind of sharing this this special person with the people around you and um, you know there thirteen people have held my daughter in her first year of life. So that's I mean, like we anticipated visiting friends and people visiting us and, and having this, this picture of um, kind of being new parents and, and kind of the shared community of raising a newborn um, and, and having that support. And it looked a lot different. Uh, There was still support. I will say that. Thankfully, my wife's parents live in town. So they, they were, they have been the most uh, generous and gracious with their time, um, really quarantining themselves so that they could be part of our bubble um, through this whole first year of my daughter's life. <laughs> it's, it's, it's helped it um, just be able to survive, really, to have their support, have them come, come by when we need them. And, you know, I think there's, there's so much to be said about what uh, grandparents are doing across our county, across our country to support families in the midst of, of kind of the needs during this pandemic. And so uh, we are one of those families that we're really kind of fortunate in that. Mike, I'm wondering what the hospital experience was like when uh, your wife was giving birth. Can you share some stories about what was going on? Yeah. So Mark, our original plan was to have our daughter at the birth center here in in Bellingham, the one that's on Cornwall has the sign with the numbers. And um, so we were working with a, a midwife and um, had been meeting with her all kind of leading up. And, and as COVID started to become a thing um, in, you know, January, we're in our birth class and they're talking about it. And we're like, yeah, we're th- maybe it's going to be a thing. And um, well, as, as we got closer to our due date in April, you know, hospitals were saying basically only the birthing mother could come in, um, you know, not even like the partner could come in to be part of that. And, you know, that was, that was pretty stressful just thinking about like what we could and couldn't do. So um, my wife said, she's pretty amazing. Um, and she, you know, the night that she ended up going into labor, she, um, we hiked up to the top of like, 
this mountain. And as we were coming back down, we just, you know, spent the evening together. She didn't tell me that she was in labor. I don't know if she even knew that she was in labor. Um, you know, I think she was thinking it was Braxton's Hicks, you know, just because we were probably 10 days away from our due date, anticipating that we would probably be later than the due date. And so um, I got woken up, we went to bed at, you know, regular time. And then I got woken up at 2.30 in the morning in the house um, by my wife kind of like waking me up. And I realized in that moment that my wife's in labor. And so then I turn on my, you know, things are just kind of going along. And a lot of the emphasis was don't come into the hospital or don't come into the birth center early because we want to like limit the amount of like close contact and, and things like that. And so um, both my wife and I being strong rule followers uh, did our best to, uh, <laughs> to do everything at home. Um, but we got to a point in uh, the labor that uh, I was on the phone. I had talked to the midwife. She was on her way in. I was talking to our doula by phone and she just asked, well, what's, what's going on? And you know, what do you see? And, I was like, oh, right. And then sure enough, I saw uh, my daughter's scalp. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, so it was kind of in that moment, I was like, oh, we're not going anywhere. Like, we're not, we're not like getting in a car. We're not, we're not going anywhere. And so we, uh, we moved over to the bathtub. And uh, within, I mean, I got my wife into the bathtub. And it just seemed like probably in the, in a matter of just five, 10 minutes, my daughter's head was kind of partway out. And so uh, I just kind of guided her out and rubbed her back and she was born. And it was just my wife and I at home. And then the midwife arrived maybe like 10 minutes later, um, cut the cord, which let's just, let's be honest, cutting the cord was a little anticlimactic after, you know, what had just happened. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So our, uh, we had uh, a, a very different uh, COVID birth story. You're telling me, I'm wondering, did, did you get a discount from the midwife? That's what I have been asking ever since, honestly. <laughs> um, I keep checking the bill. It doesn't, I, I don't think we did, but yeah. Uh, listeners, I got this text from Mike the next day that was like, well, our daughter came and we had her in the bathtub at home. Yeah. And I just, I was like, what, what, what? I was like, I need to know more. But I didn't bother him for a couple of days to hear the full story. Wow. That's amazing. amazing. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a pretty, yeah. I mean, it was a, an amazing experience. I will say that probably for a number of weeks following that and, you know, a, maybe months, I would get moments of kind of just like, I don't know, PTSD probably would be the best way to kind of classify it, like of this like experience that I had, like there was no one else around, right? And my wife's just kind of in the zone um, and I'm kind of the one. And so thankfully, like my daughter was born healthy and good to go and it all worked out. And it was an amazing, beautiful experience because we never left our house. Like we didn't leave our house for a while after she was born. Like we never was. Yeah. So it was, it was a really special thing to, to, to have that. So is there any truth to the rumor that you're going to join the staff of the Bellingham uh, birth center? 
Um, they have asked, but I'm, I'm kind of holding out for a management position. Excellent. <laughs> One thing that you guys did, Mike, that I really appreciated is by the time you were ready to uh, share her with all of your friends, you, you did sort of a window drive by where, uh, you know, we were right in the midst of COVID then late April. And so you, uh, assigned us each a time to come by. And in the front room, you had a area cleared out in the uh, flower bed and we could stand and you guys stood inside at the window. And I think they're slid it open a little bit so we could talk. So you got creative with that and were able to accomplish one of those sort of rites of passage, although it was just super different than anyone could have ever imagined. It's kind of like Lion King, huh? Where you're kind of holding the baby up and everyone kind of walks by. I yeah. love or, it. Or like the old, old time, you know, nursery where the babies went into like, you know, we're in this like kind of glassed off cage in a yeah. sense. People came by. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was, it was really neat. And we tried to take photos of, of people that came by, came for window visits um, to visit. Cause that was, yeah, I mean, we were, I mean, clearly quarantining and, and wanting to make sure our daughter as well as, you know, the rest of us stayed healthy in the midst of the pandemic. And so it was, um, yeah, a unique way to share her with, uh, with people that wanted to see her. That's great. Great story. Before we move on, any unexpected positives or blessings that have come along with having her first year be spent mostly isolated? I think I benefited being home so much the first year of her life. Uh, I I took three months paternity leave, but um, that led into, you know, the summer. And then I continued to work from home through um, the next three to four months uh, of work because we were fully remote at that point. So just the fact that I got to spend every day with my wife and with my daughter, um, just just doing life together, being a family together, is was a pretty special um, thing to do. And I don't I don't think a lot of dads get to experience just that much consistent, constant time um, with your family. And, um, especially in that those first first beginnings, so that was I think a real positive. All right, we've got to close out our bracket, guys. We're doing the best parts of being a dad. We've got a tough finale here. Uh, again, these two guys get to duke it out, and then I'll break any ties. But Mark, you're going to get to go uh, first on this one. So cue up the music. Here it is for the finale for the championship of best parts of being a dad. Will you go with hugs and kisses or will you go with making memories and traditions with your kids? Uh, this, was a, this was a lot harder than I thought. It was a great, great game, Nathan. Kudos to you for thinking of it. Um, I think I'm going to stick with creating memories. I just think that that is so broad and encompasses so many things. And some of my greatest memories are the hugs and kisses, um, you know, from my kids. And uh, I think that, and I think I said it last week, you know, I think that a parent's, one of the great responsibility of the parents is to kind of create um, this, these lifelong experiences for the family and to pass things on that can be continue to be passed on. So I'm going to stick with, with the memories and the, and the traditions as my, as my winner. 
Mike, which way are you going? Man, it is, it's a really hard pull because I, I can just see the value in both. And there's just something so just, just absolutely pure and genuine about it. Hugs and kisses like that, that can't be, you know, and, and it's just this in the moment experience that um, isn't replaceable. Each one is unique. Um, I value the memory. Yeah, I think I'm going to I'm going to lean on hugs and kisses because I think, um, you know, one of the things that's been clear in this past year is is how how much these things that we can't experience have such even this like greater value of like the next time you're going to be able to hug that person um, is it's, you know, it's it's fleeting. And so, yeah, I think I'm going to go hugs and kisses. So, Nathan, I'm going to I'm going to make you be the tiebreaker. Super appropriate. It's perfect. Super appropriate. I I invent the game, then I have to choose the winner. That's right. You know, I think that I'm going to go with memories and traditions, but only because that can encompass all of the other 15 things that were in the bracket. You know, the way you interpret it, it, it can include everything. So we could go through line by line, all of them. But I think all of these things are amazing parts of being a parent and all of them are going to create some memories for you. So I think our overall winner is going to be creating memories and traditions via the other 15 entrants in the bracket. Kind of feels like that was like a Superman one. Like Superman has all the superpowers. So therefore like he just wins. Yeah. I mean, still okay. I mean, everybody likes Superman. He's a good guy. So (laughs) yeah, it was a little bit of a cheat at the end. I think you're right. Your life can change in an instant. Car accidents impact all aspects of your life and lead to pain and suffering, medical bills, and time missed from work. Robinson & Cole, attorneys in Bellingham, can help. They have represented thousands of clients since 1979. They also handle other types of injury claims, including workers' compensation. Consultations are always free and are available in Spanish. Robinson & Cole, when you need us, we will be here. This week for our parenting topic, we're going to talk about naps. And I only have one child who naps now, but Mike has one who naps, I believe, two times a day. And Mark, you probably nap, but your kids probably don't. I nap two times a day now. (laughs) (laughs) So naps can be quite a challenge, especially when the kids are young. Um I did some research and I reviewed some uh, articles. I'll put some links in the show notes. But at the top, I want to really recommend the book that my family found the most helpful for sleeping and napping. And it's uh, Healthy Sleep Habits, Happy Child by Dr. Mark Weisbluth. And it was a game changer. I've mentioned other books on this podcast, but this, I think, is a must-have for parents you know, sleep is one of those things that is really vital to brain development for young children. And if there's ever a parenting place not to cut corners, I'm going to suggest that napping is not the one. Uh, I feel like getting into a routine and being consistent and sort of sticking to your guns on napping really leads to a more predictable disposition for your kids. So there's me getting off my soapbox. Uh, guys, was napping or is napping a challenge for your kids either now or 20 years ago? Uh, 
napping at our house was a nightmare, especially with Allie. She hated taking naps. She refused to take naps. She was a pistol, a pain in the rear. It was a fight almost every single time. Eventually, she would just get so exhausted that she would nap. But I remember dropping her off at daycare in the morning and her having me negotiate with the teachers in the classroom if she did or didn't have to take a nap that day based on how she slept the night before and what time she went to bed the night before. And she was always such a different, happy kid when I would say, Allie doesn't need a nap today. And Annette remembers just fighting with her because she just didn't want to do it. And I think, honestly, she didn't want to miss what was going on. I think that she just wanted to be part of what was happening. And when she was sleeping, she was missing out. And as I've mentioned before, she is was a, a spirited child. And I think that's one of the characteristics of that, where they just have this I mean, she was experiencing FOMO before FOMO was a thing. Mark, there's a book in our bedroom right now called Raising the Spirited Child. And uh, I our, read it. Okay. Yeah. Our Benjamin definitely fits that bill. So Yeah. And, 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 and you talked about game-changing books. That was a game-changer for Annette because she understood our daughter so much better after reading that book. Yeah. Temperament dictates a lot about napping. And I think you have to be flexible if you have more than one kid. What works for one is not going to necessarily work for the other. Mm-hmm. So newest dad, bring us up to speed on naps. Struggle. It was a struggle to start with. It, um, and, and I guess I would classify where she naps. So she would snap, she would nap just fine if she was like attached to us. And that's, uh, that's what we just decided to do. Um, Cause rather than like putting her, you know, down in the crib and, and trying to like do like, well, let her, you know, cry for 15 minutes and then take her and then try to do the the pattern. Um, we, we felt like, well, where are we going? We can just wear while we're working at home, working or doing things around and found that that actually worked a lot better for us to um, just get her the sleep that she needed, that we knew that she needed. Um, and then, you know, now she, she's, she's down to two naps a, a day and she, it's almost like clockwork at this point that she's kind of hitting her her morning nap around eight thirty nine o'clock and then her second nap around one one thirty um, napping from anywhere to from forty five minutes to an hour and a half it's a broad range but yeah pretty flexible yeah the resources I reviewed this week sort of made a distinction between the first four months, they might nap three or four times a day. They're probably going to nap in your arms or close by you. And at that point, you really have to soothe them to get them to go to sleep. And then four months and after sort of recommended they're in a crib. You can let them cry it out at that point. And then they're probably down to what might be two naps. Um, So yeah, a little bit different when they're a newborn versus sort of uh, getting on to up to four months and plus. So any particular tips or things that you found helpful, uh, I'll share with you sort of a list that my wife and I compiled. Uh, Number one, if you can get your kids some fresh air, 
that will often help them fall asleep. Even if it's just a quick walk around the block in the stroller, that seemed to work well for us. Another thing that was helpful was we got those blinds that were the blackout shades. And so it keeps the room really dark. Uh, I think that was money well spent for us. I think the other thing was uh, one of our children enjoyed napping in a swing. The other two didn't. But if you can find some device like that, especially when they're young, that can certainly help. And then with our first daughter, I played music sometimes, the rockabye baby lullabies, which is, I think I've mentioned before on the show, where they take more modern pop songs, but put them to a classical sort of uh, slower beat. That was pretty fun to, to play for the kids. Well, this was an old, this is an, an old standard, which I think parents have been doing for um, 100 years since the invention of the automobile, is to get the kids to fall asleep while driving them around in the car, something about that, the sound of the road or whatever. But what Annette did, she took it one step further, and this is just her because she's a very patient person, is that she learned to put a book in the car. So when she got home, if the kids were asleep, She'd pull into the garage, close the garage door, and sit in the car and read a book while the kids slept, which I thought was brilliant. I would just add one more item. That's uh, so I guess kind of in it's really that car noise, but we have a, a white noise machine that mm-hmm. um, basically you kind of pick some different options, but uh, that's, I mean, that's just a must because um, we've got the app on our phone. And if things are a little louder out, like in the neighborhood, we can just like crank up the white noise machine in the bedroom and that's all she hears. And it just kind of, it's a nice little buffer. Yeah. Doesn't that mimic like what they hear in the womb, I think. And so they're pretty familiar with that. We've had a couple of those and we find that they're very useful. Like when you travel, if it's a new environment or a hotel, um, Bring that along. Yeah, we did. We didn't have those. You could just stand <laughs> over them and go. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I had you, my CB. I had my CB radio and just you know all that stuff. To well, you would have had to pack a record player back then, right? We did. Yeah, I had a really long extension cord. Phonogra- phonograph, maybe. Yeah, we cranked it. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing to watch for is begin to pick up on those signs when your kids are getting overtired and that'll really help you. Yeah. Rubbing the eyes. Uh, I have two thumb suckers in my family. And so, you know, just knowing when they're getting tired, if you can get them down quickly, that's going to help. And then the other thing is there's going to be that tricky point when they go from three naps to two or two naps to one, and just sort of having a plan in place where you can sort of move those times, uh, just getting consistency in there is going to really help. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it's a balancing act and it's a challenge and it's something you have to be very patient with because as every parent knows, as soon as the, the child is born, you're no longer in charge. And napping is just another example of, of how they are going to dictate what they're going to do and, and, and how they're going to do it. And you just got to be adaptable. All right. Well, hopefully that was some helpful information about nap times. Again, I've got links to these articles and that book that I recommended, uh, Healthy Sleep Habits, Happy Child, in the show notes. The Interfaith Coalition of Whatcom County connects local families experiencing homelessness with the skills and tools they need to become self-sufficient in a home of their own. Join Interfaith Coalition on Saturday, April 10th at 7 p.m., for their virtual storytelling fundraiser, 
sanctuary, calm, and chaos. This free event, which you can live stream from your home, will bring the community together to raise money for families experiencing homelessness here in Whatcom County. Storytellers include a Moth Story Slam winner, a Nooksack Tribal Storyteller, and a former Family Promise of Whatcom County guest. Learn more about Interfaith Coalition and register for this virtual fundraiser at interfaith-coalition.org. That's interfaith-coalition.org. All right, this week on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we're going to talk about parks. We have tons of wonderful parks here in Whatcom County. If you just check out the county parks website or the Bellingham City Parks website or the other municipalities, uh, you can find all the information about some great places to go. And with the county now in phase three, playgrounds are open again. There are some rules still in effect with, uh, I think when we were there this past week, six kids on a playground was sort of the recommendation here in the city of Bellingham with with masks still on. So springs are coming, springs are here, although you wouldn't know it from today's uh, torrential downpour. Well, you know, Nathan, I can never pick just one. So I'm going to pick two. Uh, the, the beginning of our children's lives, we lived in Bellingham and we lived very close to Whatcom Falls Park. And that was a go-to for us because we could actually walk there and there were the um, the fish ponds and the trails and the waterfalls and the bridges. And it was just a great place for little kids to hang out. And then when we moved to the county, our favorite park uh, became, became Hovander, which is another phenomenal resource for this entire county. Dogs, bikes, huge grassy areas. It's a phenomenal place to spend a day, especially in the summer when the farm animals are out. I'm going to second your Whatcom Falls Park recommendation and add that now they have a pump track, both a kid's version and an adult version. And so my little ones are riding their bikes around that these days. And you're right. There's there's so many things you could do. Uh, there are two playgrounds, sort of an upper one for bigger kids and then a, a smaller, I guess, kind of a tot lot sort of thing uh, down a little bit lower towards the falls. So yeah, I'll second Whatcom Falls Park. And then I'll recommend uh, Squalicum Creek Park, which is sort of a newer park here in Bellingham. It's the only park I know of around here that has a zip line and uh, a really big, nice play structure. They've got ball fields and picnic areas. We've even had one of the kids' birthday parties there. So I'll, uh, I'll recommend Squalicum Creek Park as well. Well, since everybody's uh, volunteering two parks, um, uh, I think I'm going to lean towards uh, live kind of in the Ridgemont area and the Ridgemont Park. It's a tiny little park. I mean, it's like nothing of a park, but my daughter really only likes swings anyway. I mean, it's like her favorite. I put her on a swing and it's like all giggles and screams. And so uh, anything that has a good swing um, and that's a great park because it's, it's, uh, it's never crowded. So it's, it's always a, a really accessible park, good parking to just be able to access it. Um, but then I want to highlight the Cordata park. So this is, I think maybe our newest park in, in, yes in Bellingham and Whatcom County um, or in the Cordata area. Great park, lots of variety as far as play structure, um, um, trails and um, really, and there's even like a parkour section. So just some real variety for a lot of ages and yeah, also has some great swings. So my daughter loves that. 
Thanks to Mike Kudo for filling in the last couple weeks. And as always, thanks to our sponsor, Robinson and Cole Attorneys. You can reach the show through our Facebook page or our email address, which is Podcast at gmail.com. We welcome feedback and suggestions. We're not sure what we're talking about next week, so I'm just going to experiment with this vocal filter. See you next week. What did the fisherman say to the magician? I don't know. Pick a cod, any cod. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best thing about elevator jokes? What? They work on so many levels. Uh, (laughs) So the eye doctor tells his patient, your results aren't so good. And the patient says, can I see them? The eye doctor says, probably not.